0: previously on the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. Well, I, um, well and I'm not really sure there's, there's there's anything else that anybody can learn from Ross Ford pulling on a Scotland <laughs> jersey. We know what he's going to do, which is, you know, run into the first man, fall down, miss you a see, couple of tackles. seems to fight
1: with, like, every person who tackles him where he doesn't, like, try... He, like, he tries everything he can to stay up, but not offload or not go forward. Just stay
0: stationary for as long as possible. It's, it's, like, it's like he's allergic to leg drives.
1: <laughs> six, six out of ten, all the way through.
0: Ross Ford is at the back of that mall. If they keep this going, it's another a try, and it's Ford. And did he get the ball down? Well, that's the third try of the game, and Ross Ford just capitalised on what was a very tidy lineup ball from Toulouse.
2: Taylor to Hoyland, Hoyland back to Russell. The flick to Ford. Oh, 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 oh boy, the skills on offer. Little behind the back flicks. Scotland pries them open like a can of beans. And then eventually knock at the door. There's nobody home. Ross Ford, try number
0: two for the big hooker. To episode two uh, of our second series of the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast. I'm Cammie Black and this week I'm joined by Rory Baldwin. Hello. And John Anderson. Hi there. Um, you Don't forget you can uh, visit the blog at uh, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk to leave your comments um, uh, on any of the articles that we've written. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter which is at ScottRugbyBlog. Um and get in touch with us there. Rory, we've got a Facebook page as well, haven't we?
2: Yes, I believe it's also Scott Rugby Blog, but I could be wrong. Uh, well, I should know that really, shouldn't
0: I? Yeah. <laughs> 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 On message. <laughs>
2: it is Scottish Rugby Blog, facebook.com forward slash Scottish Rugby Blog.
0: Oh, well, 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 well caught. Um, well, what we'll do, we'll kick off straight away, because we're going to um, review the uh, Scotland-Italy match from the weekend. Um it was um, a pretty good performance from Scotland overall, Rory.
2: Yeah, I think uh, based on the previous results against Italy and the fact that that wasn't really Italy's top team, we should have been looking for a score about about the size of the one that, that the guys knocked up. There's still plenty for them to work on. Maybe they were trying a little bit too much, um, but that's I think that's kind of Gregor Townsend's way. Um, yeah, there's certainly stuff to work on for Australia.
0: And, John, any noticeable changes for you in the way that Scotland were playing?
1: Um, I think, unsurprisingly, uh, with Gregor coming in, it, it was quicker, which we were all hoping for. But it, it was certainly just a bit looser as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was a lot more emphasis on the, the ball skills, particularly within the, the Type 5. Uh, they had a lot more ball to, to actually have to ship on and stuff, which w- was really good to see. Um, they coped admirably with that as well. So I think the pace of the game as well really increased and sort of gave the backs a wee bit of room to play in, which ultimately sort of we <laughs> saw like pretty comfortably once, once we got the ball moving.
0: And did you think, I mean, it seemed to me to be noticeable that um, the backs were sat quite a lot further back, um, away from the um, from the forwards than they had been. I think um, under certainly under Cotter and and and, and previous coaches. Um, F- Finn Russell particularly seems to be sat quite a way back. Whereas thinking uh, the Six Nations, he was sort of taking it to the line a lot more. I don't know if that that was a change um, that you'd noticed, Rory.
2: Um, I didn't actually notice that no, but I I mean I wouldn't be surprised. He probably wants his backs to have a little bit more time on the ball to to kind of trust them to create things um i mean i think uh, you saw with uh, ford's second try when finn actually did you know when he did take it to the line um maybe that extra time kind of allowed him to pick pick his uh, pick his hole to go to go through to set the sort of little little offload train going um yeah i think uh, he's probably gonna yeah he's gonna tr- trust his playmakers and i guess maybe that um need a bit bit more time maybe it was just because uh, maybe it was the conditions he knew that the everyone to be a bit slow in the heat so uh, just thought let's not put them under too much pressure I'm not sure you, you might see something different different again as Australia it could also be something to do with uh, you know analysis on the defense maybe uh, maybe this is his, his system for sort of getting getting past a, a rush defense that's that's up in your face quickly.
1: I think Italy's back row was in particular very quick to come up. So, mm. um, particularly the seven for Italy, I thought he was i thought he was by far and away their best player. Um, and he was flying off the line. Um, there's arguments they were quite a bit offside a lot of the time, but, you know, that's that's kind of the modern game, isn't it? But, um, yeah, I think I agree, Rory. I think it's probably a tactical thing. Um, and it'll probably be the same against australia because again they've got a lightning rush defense so
0: and and john any any particular team wise cause we'll, we'll go through your um player ratings in a minute but team wise any concerns anything stand out that we should be worried about
1: well no i don't think there's anything to worry about i think as the as an end of season hit out for uh, at the end of a very long season for a lot of boys um, the result was good um, the cohesion was good I think probably the weakest point for me was the, the centres were just a bit anonymous and seemed to just be half a yard off the pace which given Matt Scott's been setting the right like down south um, I was a, a wee bit disappointed in him and we said it last week we'd we'd kind of called it with our t- team pick last week we were saying Dunbar he's, he's in desperate need of a rest he needs to be just given some time off just to get some fitness back because he is struggling.
0: And, and Rory, anything you think that needs to be worked on immediately or, or, or is it just a case of carry on into next week?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, the, the scrum scrum went okay. I wouldn't say it was was dominant. Um, Line-out was, line was pretty good. Um, breakdown seemed okay. But again, Italy in certain periods of the game didn't look like they were... Um, massively involved in it. Um, I think you know the the conditions would have played a part in that. But uh, I think uh, yeah, I would I would agree with John the uh, the centres. I'm not sure. What, I mean, we'll maybe talk about that when we go through the uh, go through the player ratings. But I mean, I, I dug up some stats on on the centres for the game, and they make quite quite interesting reading, especially when we were thinking about um, picking a team for next week as well, or yeah. for this weekend.
0: I mean, we. we, we go through the team um john you've um we'll go through the order you've done it on the um on the blog um yep so you're starting at duncan taylor you've gone eight out of ten um where you've said he was out of position uh at full back but calm and composed and broke the line with his carries and even kicked the conversion which i I think somebody on twitter said is going to have stat fans scratching their heads in future if he doesn't (laughs) kick again trying to work out how he got a, a slightly odd points tally
1: it was a bit mad, wasn't it? It was all a bit weird. I've I've actually done some digging into the the, the regulation behind it because obviously there was issues with uh, with the Lions as well this morning, wasn't there? Um, around who's allowed to kick and whether you're allowed to kick if it's a permanent sub or a su- or a head injury sub. Because so it um was it,
0: was it, I can't remember what who Ireland were playing. Was it the Ireland Wales match where Paddy Jackson came on? And that's right, yeah. But yeah. he was allowed to kick and he shouldn't have been. Yeah. But so was 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 that right that Duncan Taylor was the option there?
1: Yes, yes or- it was. The rule the rule is that you're not if it's a head injury if it's not a permanent substitution the person can't kick. Um, if the if it is a permanent situation and the, the person has gone off and it's permanent sub they are perfectly entitled because they've now taken their place in the game.
0: And was it the case that when Finn came back on, that the referee said he couldn't kick for goal
1: because yeah. he wasn't on? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was because he wasn't on the park when the infringement had happened. I didn't understand that better right. to be honest, but uh, that was all a bit weird. Um, yeah, they got a try anyway,
0: it. so it didn't really matter. But, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> if she went in their favour, so Thanks, so um, quite happy with Taylor at fullback, Rory.
2: Yeah, I think I mean he's he's a, he's funny because he's one of these guys um, probably a bit like Sean Maitland that when they're running they look like they're going really slowly and yeah they're going they're running past people um, he's but just got like probably, a kind of
0: it's probably his style hair.
2: yeah it's, it's probably I mean yeah he could he could definitely do with a go faster haircut um, but uh, yeah I think uh, yeah Taylor Taylor had a good game for me I mean um, I uh, I had him as my man of the match in the in the match report um, he he's never going to sort of do the things that Hoggy, Hoggy does, but uh, he was instrumental in a couple of tries and uh, he did he did what was asked asked of him and he made very few mistakes. There's uh, Possibly he was out of position for that the last Italian try, but the game was well put to get bed by that point.
0: And then, uh, John, you've got the wings. Um, Hoyle, Damien Hoyland, you've given an eight. And Tim Visser, a seven.
1: Yep, I think I just in general, I think Hoyland was... Very lively. He was looking for ball. Uh, what really struck me about Hoyland, um he's quite quite a slight guy, quite looks, looks like quite a small guy, but obviously the sevens has has done wonders for his first up tackle. He was he was smashing people down every time. I, I I haven't seen the stats for him, but I would be surprised if you know if wouldn't be surprised if he's made four or five tackles and not not missed any, which you know you you kind of think. Those big Italian wingers as well, you know, you would be expecting maybe them to break the line a wee bit, but he done done exceptionally well. Visser again, great try, great poachers try. He just he just scores them, you know. I think it was in the match report. I think Rory just said that he scores when he wants, um, but he just wasn't wasn't as lively as I would have liked to seen, And in the air, he he was noticeably he was losing out. Every single time when we were going up uh, with the ball into the air, so again he's up against guys that are a similar similar build to him in the Italian backs, so you know it's kind of a fifty-fifty. But you would be hoping he would be bringing a wee bit of ball back to his.
0: And Rory, you agree with that?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I've, Visser had hit uh, a reasonable game. I mean, he takes it. He always takes his try as well, and that's kind of what he's there for. Um, he doesn't go looking for looking for it quite as much as say Tommy Seymour would. Um, so I think, oh yeah, Highland probably came out it with a wee bit credit. But you know, um, he took he took that uh, chip kick and the dive incredibly well. Um, and probably the less said it about his uh, tap taping, the better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was dreadful. Highland <laughs> Hoy- made four tackles and missed none. There uh, we go. Two, two versus one tackle. <laughs>
1: Was that the tackle he made, or was that the the slap? Of the well,
0: the he's, not, ind- he's not. ESPN don't have him registered as missing a tackle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so That's because he didn't
1: make it. He was nowhere near it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I think yeah, he, he, what he did didn't fully meet the criteria of even trying to to make a tackle, <laughs> so didn't register. Which is possibly a good good way of if, if anybody's um any rugby players that are start obsessed and want to keep up a hundred percent tackle rate is is to work out what is counted in a, in a tackle. <laughs> I'm not sure Johnny Gray's working on that. Yeah. And then the centres, Dunbar and Scott, um, what, you went for six for Dunbar and six for Scott. I mean, you've said earlier that you're both quite quiet.
1: It just didn't feel like it gelled. It just, I mean, I think Dunbar and Scott have played together a few times now Mm -hmm. at international level and it, it, I don't know, I just, I don't, it's going to sound really stupid, but I just don't feel it um, the way, you know, when you've got a, a Jones or a Bennett outside Dunbar. And again, this the the circumstance at play here as well, I don't think either player really is 100% or or should be, you know, probably shouldn't even be playing, to be honest. I think a rest would do them both good. Um, again, had we had options at Fulak, I think we would have seen Taylor in the centre and um you know, there's there's other options available as well.
0: And Rory, your stats you have some stats in your pocket? Yeah I
2: had I had I dug, dug a look at the stats out for the the two centres. Um and uh, Scott Matt Scott meters run was eighteen to Dunbar's two. Neither had any clean breaks, neither beat any no defenders beaten either, no offloads either. Scott won one turnover and had two tackles, missed missed none, and Dunbar had five tackles, missed two of them. So I think you'd say Scott edged it, but um, I don't think it was. It's possibly not what you were looking. You know, not what you're looking for in your in your centres um, either. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, I think the they had about the same for four or five runs runs each, um, and about the same two three passes each in terms of the, the ball they got. I mean, it could just be the thing we've talked about before, where um, where Russell goes goes wide quickly and the balls ten more the ball tends to find the wings. Um, than or the fullback than, than necessarily the centres, but at the same time, um, yeah, I think uh, the you know they didn't uh, they didn't um, post the the greatest greatest stats in that game, so it might be worth looking at shaking them up, maybe uh, give Dunbar a rest for the when for the had, Aussies.
1: When they had the ball as well, I mean, again, I think I've mentioned in the player ratings that the. the Unfortunate hospital pass from Dunbar uh, that's come off Bradbury's face for uh, for the first Italian try. You know it's basics at, at that point. You know Sympathetic passing. We're going about it all the time, but mm. you know that again, it was the ta- it was the pass of a tired tired player who probably you know I don't want to say didn't want to be out there, but didn't need to be out there.
0: Um, well, we'll come on uh, later on. We'll have a chat about who we think might uh, line up against Australia. Um, cause it Sounds like there's a consensus to to, to change things a bit in centre. But yeah. um, Finn Russell, that was a. You seem to be of the opinion that's a classic Russell display.
1: <laughs> you just have to laugh at him. He's just, he's just mental.
0: Um,
1: I mean, it was. It had everything, didn't it? He was getting battered about the joint every. I think just about every try that he had, he had a hand in, he's been flattened after the ball's away. He's had chip kicks. He's had a, a, a number of passes that went to deck as well. It's just classic Russell. Um, and oh, just so good to watch. He's just mental.
0: And Rory, you have it 9 out of 10. John's gone for that. You agree with yeah, I
2: Yeah, I mean, I think what was quite pleasing about Russell on uh, on Saturday was. That he he did have one of his mixed games, but it sort of the like the patchy bit was at the start, and he kind of yeah. when he was playing well, it wasn't like he was playing well for a minute and then playing appallingly. It's like he had a he had a consistent patch where everything was good for a while, um, and I think that's that's so that that you know that's a good thing. Um, we just need to get that for a full eighty minutes more more regularly, um, because against the bigger teams, you know he's. We've got two tests against Australia this year. We've got the All Blacks as well, which will be the first time playing them for quite a lot of these y- y- younger players. Um, they, Finn, you know, Finn, they Finn don't give you Finn five, ten minutes to get into the game.
0: Did Finn make his debut against the All Blacks?
2: I think he no,
1: may... USA
0: was it the U- USA
1: the U- yeah on that that mad cap tour where they they done USA Canada um, South Africa and. Ah, Tether as well. But he started.
0: Um, um, he started, but he so he must have started the last time we played the All Blacks, which was um, that quite close one at Murrayfield a few years ago.
1: that's a good question. Did he play in that?
0: I think he started. I think he. I think that was his Murrayfield debut. I'll look into it while while you. Uh, yeah. Uh, while while you, you carry on chatting, but um, I mean, it's. I think that he offers so much, Russell. That I think the the thing that slightly worries me is. If he does do himself a mischief, then is there's, there's nobody that can sort of step in and do what he does? Yeah. So it's it, do you think that Townsend has a plan B for when he has to call on um, Horn or um, well, I guess the next one would be Weir after that. Do you think there is a plan B or does he need a plan B?
1: A drop off, isn't
0: it? Rory. Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, I just uh, had a look here. He did play against uh, New Zealand in 2014, It was his fourth fourth cap. I'm um, not sure whether he started or not. But yeah, uh, yeah you've, he's got to have a plan B, really, because there's no one else anywhere near doing anything like what Russell can do creatively. Um, but you can't really... I don't think you can rely on that as a basis to... You know, you can rely on him to run your attack, but you can't rely on him creating magic every time to to win games you have to have a sort of a solid plan that he is the kind of fairy dust on top of rather than um the be all and end all and i think um horn should be able to should be able to do that jackson might be able to do that at a push um although he's probably a bit rusty at the moment and i think um you know some of the younger guys coming through will probably be playing to that playing to that sort of uh that model it'd be interesting to see if there's a kind of trickle down effect in the adjustment in the game plans um at sort of age grade level that um at the moment kind of mirrors a kind of cotter style quite quite nicely we saw with the under 20s earlier and uh, yeah it will be interesting to see if if um if Tuni tries to get get them playing a bit more offloading rugby um although you know they seem quite quite good at it already
0: uh, yeah, he started against the All Blacks in um, 24, November 2014, 24 16, That was the game. That was quite tight, that game, 24-16. Um, so that must have been Russell's debut, I think. I think that was the first game of the series. Um, oh, no, was that the, was that after the Argentina game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was his fourth cap. His fourth cap, yeah. Um, and then Ali Price, John... Um, that seems to be quite a good combination. Do you think there's any way back for 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 Greek when he comes back off the Lions tour? Oh, the
1: the grade law. Um, I think it all depends. It really all depends on what Townsend wants to do. I think the options that Laidlaw Law provides um, are are clear. You know, he, he controlled. I, I thought he played very well when he came on for the Lions earlier on. I think you know what you're going to get. You're going to get stability, you're going to get the goal-kicking, you're going to get the leadership. Are you going to get the fast-flowing game that it's clear from the off Gregor's wanting to play? Mm, probably not. So it's a big, big call. Um, and But that's why Gregor's getting paid the big bucks, isn't it?
0: And and do you agree with that? Do you think maybe... Uh... Gradelaw's now the option off the bench maybe for his game management? More than yeah, I mean, they said, in,
2: they said in the week before the game they wanted to play you know, the, one of the fastest, if not the fastest brand of international rugby going, and I don't see how you can say something like that publicly and then pick Greg Gladwell. Um It's just, uh, he's... He he seems to be doing okay with the with the Warren ball thing because it's you're lining up big lumps to go go up sort of <laughs> up the middle channels and 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 you're managing the game, which is what Greg's excellent at. But uh, yeah, I think I'm sure I'm sure Gregor will, will give him a try and say this is how you need to play, and see what see what happens. Um, I don't I don't think you could cast a, cast out a guy with that much experience just yet. But I think certainly um maybe with that combined with the, the move to France, you know, the writing could be could be on the wall. Yep. And I think if you look at the scrum house coming through, the younger guys, they're all kind of in the Ali Price mode um, with the kind of extreme example, I guess, being uh, George Horn, who's like Ali Price squared in terms of tempo and fizz. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the, the young guys for the under-20s as well, they all play that kind of, they're, they're quite, they're faster. And I mean, even Henry Burgos is, is kind of looking like a, like a slow option at the moment
0: Um, and then John I'm going to start at the back of the scrum and move forward um, just because we'll address the elephant in the room later on Um, (laughs) but um, back row we've got um, you've given Barkley Wilson and Strauss all seven Um, not much to choose between them for you then
1: no I don't think so Um, um, I think it was workmanlike efficient at best um, they all got past, but I mean, seven out of ten positive pass marks. Um, I think ultimately they overcome the Italian back row, but they they made harder work of it than it needed to be. There was there was times in the game, as Rory said earlier on, where the, the Italian the Italian breakdown was nowhere, but the the Scottish back row were slow to to get to the breakdown as well, and as such, I mean, it just. There was patches in the game, particularly in the first half, where we were struggling to get the ball out to our backs, just purely because we were not getting that that quick ball. And I kind of hold the responsibility for that. Obviously, it's not totally their fault, but you know, it's kind of the back row's job to try and generate that front foot.
0: Yeah, there's two worrying stats for me in that the in terms of the this is on ESPN, so it may not be entirely accurate, but it's got. Uh, John Barkley down with eight tackles made and none missed, which is for, for you know, given the scoreline is to be expected, but both Strauss yep. and Wilson are both on one tackle the entire game and Wilson is down as missing two, which he's got four <laughs> for um, and I know I've um, had issues yep. in the past with being blocked on Twitter by somebody um, <laughs> when I've criticised um, <laughs> Ryan Wilson, but he he does have a tendency to drop off tackles, Wilson, and I don't know if it's technique or, or, or what, but he it, there is an inconsistency to his game, but he admittedly came in late here because John Hardy um, predictably fell apart without even setting foot on the pitch. Um, <laughs> are you, were you happy with the back row performance, Rory?
2: Um, I have to say that there's people who were um, watching Twitter on uh, on Saturday. I didn't actually notice Hardy wasn't on the pitch until, um, <laughs> which may, which doesn't say much about Hardy's performance, but it also maybe doesn't say much about Wilson's. Is that I wasn't thinking, hang on, Ryan Wilson's not supposed to be in the team, um, and Strice was. I thought Strice was quite quite anonymous too. Um, I didn't notice when he'd gone off. Um, by contrast, Parkley, I think played extremely well in the first half. And he probably faded away a wee bit with the with the heat in the second, but um, he was you know he was noticeable that he was carrying ball, putting in lots of tackles. Um, there were a couple of penalties sort of awarded against him where he was probably a little unlucky, and a, a different ref would have uh, seen it his way.
0: I think. It is I, usually one the thing, case. Yeah, one thing I do like about Barkley, and we've said this in the past, is he uh, his communication with the referee I think is excellent. I think he he he's the. the he strikes the right balance with being a little bit arsey, um, but amenable <laughs> as well. At the same time, he's not afraid to sort of challenge the referee, but without sort of the whininess that sometimes comes with grey Law. Um, and I think it, it, towards the end of the match, he even sort of asked the referee not to give an Italian player a yellow card just That's for great, the basis yeah. of, of a yeah, fair slay, sure. but yeah.
1: That was the Pergos uh, dump, um, the dump tackle from um, the, the, the big walk. Oh, staying, and, yeah, yeah. It was uh, he was saying there's nothing in that, um, and he was basically telling him no, you, you no, there's nothing in it. Don't don't give him a yellow. When actually I was sitting here screaming at the television. That, again, I mean by the letter of the law you can't, <laughs> you just, just can't drop someone on their head and, and not go for a sit down for ten minutes. It's madness.
2: So So yeah, happy
0: Sorry, you were going.
2: I was just gonna say it was a uh, I was actually when I was um, sitting watching the game with a mate and we were talking about barclay and and 'cause I if you look back to the sort of early days of the of the site when his his career was just kicking off, and you know there was a lot of talk of him saying you know this guy future Scotland captain and possibly you know future lions captain and and that sort of thing and it's it's maybe it's maybe telling that um He's not on the on the Lions tour, and you just wonder what damage that sort of two years in the wilderness, when he was just starting to hit peak, the killer bees had just kind of dissolved, and then he's off the scene. You know, you think I'm not saying he's sort of Ross Ford levels of, of not fulfilling potential. Sorry to all the Fordy fans uh, who are probably not <laughs> going to enjoy this episode. Um, but uh, yeah, he's you know he's um, it's yeah he he's he could could have been. Well, I mean, he may yet still be looked on as a great, as a great uh, a Scotland great. You know, there's there's a fair few, uh, fair few, I have to say, ladies on Twitter who are extremely, um, extremely forceful fans of John Barkley who won't hear a word said against him. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he's he's one of these guys. You know, how much damage did that two years out of the international kind of television screen? You know, how did that? What did that do to his uh, to his sort of his his uh, position in the pantheon of Scotland rugby greats?
0: He's he is uh, yeah I, he could have been someone he could have been a contender. Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, And just when he was, he was out
2: they pulled him back in that one too. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> second row then Ben Tulis I think uh, defying um, my comment um, certainly the. Another player to defy comments that were made on this podcast last episode, um, <laughs> will we yeah. expressed some concern about his ability to bring his um, club form onto the international arena, but absolutely tore it up. Um, yeah. Huge performance from him. Um, is is that? Do, I mean, do do you see him sort of that him being nailed on for starting against Australia now?
2: Yeah, oh, I think so.
1: I'm sorry, Rory, on you go.
2: Yeah, I would, I, I would, I would say so. Um, I would be surprised if Johnny Dick, Johnny Gray, didn't reappear. Um, I mean, I'm not sure. I think they both call the line out a bit, but maybe if Tulis is handling the more technical line out stuff, Johnny Gray will. That'll free him up to just um, to be a monster. Um, but yeah, I think I think, uh, I think uh, definitely definitely did enough to to justify uh, inclusion. You know, his form has been great all season and he's he doesn't he doesn't look like he's at the end of his, his season. He, he played well. Uh, Line-out went well. So, um, yeah, give him another shot.
0: And then six for Swinson. Um, John, not maybe reaching the heights of Toulos, obviously, but um, you've suggested maybe a better suit to coming on from the bench. Yeah,
1: yeah, I just feel, uh, I feel with Swinson, we always clamour. For for Tim, he, you know, he goes through these big spells of amazing form where he's playing well at Glasgow, uh, and then the internationals come round and he comes off the bench and he runs riot or you know has a a crack in twenty thirty minutes off the bench and we always clamour for him to get a start and I genuinely can't remember ever being impressed with him when he started for Scotland, um and this weekend was no exception. I mean he he. he Got around. He was workman-like again, you know, to use the term I said about the back row. But he was he was absolutely overshadowed by by Tullis, which no no shame in that. Tullis was outstanding, but I, I didn't see anything to that that he offered around the park, which I was I was really disappointed with.
0: Rory, you agree with that? You yeah. In better suit to off the bench.
2: I think uh, yeah, he's a uh, sort of He's, a, he's an impact guy. He's, he's getting to that... I um, don't even know how old he is, but he, for me, he sort of seems like he's one of these elder statesmen second roles like uh, Simon Shaw or Alan Wynne-Jones who are great players, but you don't always give him the give him the full 80, although Alan Wynne is, is, is doing all right for himself. And to be fair, Shaw's he did as well at the end of his career. But, you know, he's... Um, I think, uh, yeah, he just... He doesn't seem to have quite, quite the impact that he does. Um, when he's when he's starting, whether that's maybe the partnership, um, you know, maybe he's not suited to playing alongside Toolis, perhaps. I'm not. I don't. I don't know. Um, he seems to do okay with Gray for Glasgow. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, when if you think when uh Big Nax was in his pomp at, at Glasgow, it was Johnny Graham and Nagarara were the um, Where the starters usually and Swinson was was usually coming off the bench, so that could well be you know his his uh, his best role.
0: Yeah, uh, and then the front row. We'll do the props first, um, and I'm putting this off as long as possible. Um, <laughs> Nell and Nell and Dell. Um, Nell and Dell. Nodell. <laughs> um But both both pretty solid. John. Got seven yeah. from both.
1: Yep. Yep, Scrum went well. Well, um, couple couple of really dominant scrums. I thought we we give give the Italians a pretty torrid time at set piece. Um, Neil again, I mean, he's coming back from eight months out, maybe least, longer. Yeah. Um, you know, and let's be fair—we've touched on it in the podcast previously. His his fitness regime is not, um, not world renowned, is it? So, um, was he? Looked po- about- I think
0: was it blood and mud the other week? Was saying that he yeah. was spotted spotted with with buying two family size pizzas in a supermarket. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <Denver>. <laughs> it was Brody who had
1: mentioned he would seen him at. Uh,
0: was it my,
2: or so? Yeah, Frankie and Benny's or something. Frankie, Frankie Berries, or something. That's, that's right. And chicken, yeah.
1: The yeah. <laughs> So I mean it's clear the boy enjoys his scram, let's be fair. But um he he looked he looked pretty tired quite quickly. But on the counter side of that, we've got obviously we're starting to get a young option at tight head to oh, when we get to the bench we'll, we'll go on about that. But yeah, I thought Dell um Del, again he continues to impress me, he puts himself about. Um really active in the loose. And again, he, j- he provides a real op- uh, a real breakdown um, weapon. He he gets in and he's got that ridiculous physique for a prop, as a lot of people say. Um, and he gets in and he seems to just jackal really well. So definite, definitely a, a useful option, particularly if your tight head's blowing a wee bit after, uh, um, after 30-odd minutes.
0: Yeah, he always seems to do well in the scrum, I think, against teams like Italy. Um, and, and I think you're right. I think against any team he's he's superb in the loose. My, my worry is against more against the larger pack. I think that's where yeah. Dell maybe struggles. And I think in those situations, maybe it's better as a, like you said, coming on later in the game um, where I thought he did quite well in the Six Nations when he came on as a sub more than when he was actually part of the scrum. Um, I don't know if, if um, you'd agree with that, Rory.
2: Yeah I mean it's an interesting one it's almost like if you look at the balance of the, of that front row of, of Dell Ford and Nell it's almost like Ford and Nell are your your big beefy ones and Dell is the kind of the slightly smaller smaller more agile one even though he's not in the middle um it's it's tricky cuz you wonder how how, um, how easy it is to sort of Practice their scrumming because obviously, when Gordy Reid comes off the bench, that's quite a difference in terms of the physicality that, that the front row has, and uh, and uh, presumably that will have a, a knock on effect in the scrumming technique. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, Nell did all right. I guess the, the mission was like the same as it was for the Barbarians game, was just to get him through the game, get him enjoying his rugby again, and, and and uh, yeah, I think he'll he'll grow into it. I'm hoping that he's going to get a, yeah, a chance to have a big game against Australia like he did in the, in the World Cup, which is, you know, pretty much the last game of any significance he played in in
0: 2015. Mm. Um, right. I've been instructed to read out the following statement by my lawyer. Ross Ford is not a terrible rugby player and still has much to contribute to the Scotland shirt. Ross Ford has had an incredible career and is still at the top of his game. All this despite the obvious handicap of being from Kelso. Despite previous statements made by myself on the Scottish Rugby blog, Ross Ford was not at fault for Scotland's poor line-out in displays between 2010 and 2014. The blame lies with Jim Hamilton, Andy Robinson, Scott Johnson and Al Kellogg, who's already blocked me on Twitter, so saying this is unlikely to make things any worse between us. I apologise to Ross Ford and wish to retract all previous statements I've made regarding his contribution to the Scotland Rugby team. John, are you ready for your apology now? (laughs)
1: <laughs> um absolutely not no no um <laughs> I, I i refuse to um to defer to, to ross in this instance yeah uh it was a beautiful apology cammy i must say um and thank you on behalf of all the the, the rugby blog writers for putting that forward we <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> yeah what where did that come from what the hell was he playing at I've, the only thing, the only logical explanation I can come up with is that he that he listens to the podcast. <laughs> so furious. <laughs> so the reaction to this, got, I think, the reaction to his second try from all the other players is that, that they all listened to it, and it was some massive in joke. <laughs> they, they were going to somehow get right. Let's show them. We're going to for it to score a hat trick just to show, just to show those that podcast with, that, with its handful of listeners. <laughs> that they're suggesting
1: wrong? our faces are up in the dartboard somewhere
0: that's it yep
2: and then we'll Gregor Townsend, who who's no longer allowed to endorse the podcast at the start um is presumably not playing that game and hooked, hooked 40 off before he could get his hat-trick
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> She's right, right lads you've had your laugh yeah. <laughs> off you go <laughs> um but yeah i mean yeah he, he got two tries um Well done. Um, You've been getting pelters, John, for suggesting that um, uh, his line-out still is questionable.
1: Yeah, somebody's pulled out ESPN stats to say, oh, you know, it has got a 90-odd percent line-out. That's all fine and well, because, yeah, there was a couple of instances. I mean... couple of lineouts that there was no, yeah, there was no jump, but it just looked an absolute mess. And yes, we've retained the ball. So again, going by the stats, you know, we could, we could, what what constitutes a lost line out? Well, you know, having to have a guy catch the ball, then get flattened by eight Italians um, doesn't sound like a successful line out to me, but, you know, we retained the ball, I guess. Um and ultimately, you know, we always say yeah, the line-out's the sum of its parts we've got the jumpers, we've got whoever's calling the line-out, ultimately it relies on the guy who's standing there with the ball, lobbing it into this line of folk to get it right That's it's, his job is that and hooking the ball, and in Ford's case, he struggles with his darts and does not hook the ball so, you know, uh, therein lies a lot of Scottish rugby fans' issue with the, with the Ross Ford debate, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it goes back to what Rory was saying. Is He does give an option as almost a third prop in the front row. So if you're going to play um, a lighter prop like Dell, I think you, you you need Ford to give ballast. But I think if you're going to go with someone like Reed and Nell, you playing Brown in the front row is, is mm-hmm. fine. But I, I worry if you go with a front row of Nell, Brown and that that scrum is inevitably going to go backwards and and, and and encounter problems so I i I think I've always said that rossford has his place um but it, I, I think it really depends on a game by game basis to who's playing outside of him and I would agree with you John I think he's the, the line out isn't a hundred percent I think in the past that might have been down partly down to the whoever was calling it and the jumpers getting the timing right but it, it can't 100 percent have been down to that, despite what my lawyers instructed me to say earlier. <laughs> um, Rory, do you, I mean, uh, is that, is, are we like now going to see a, a Ross Ford renaissance? Um,
2: I'd like to, I'd like to hope so. I mean, you know, he's, he's got his 100 caps, let's go for another 100. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think just I mean, to be honest, I don't actually have a problem that with the fact that he doesn't hook in the scrum and his lineouts are—you know—all hookers have off days throwing their throwing their darts. The lineouts don't always—you know—it's a—it's quite a complicated moving part if they if they're trying complicated calls anyway. Um, to get right, it's more just that you don't you don't see as much from him. I mean, it, it could be that he's putting in loads of loads of tackling work. I'm sure the guys. Uh, the you know the analysts that work for for Scotland are uh, you know they're they're counting his meters, made in his tackles, and the amount of calories that he burns and all that sort of thing. And you know there there must be a reason he's got that many caps. His performance levels presumably um, you know back back up his his case. But you know you you see from from John Barkley a guy who's you know he's putting himself out there. He's making the tackles. He's doing turnovers. He's carrying ball. Um, and you just you, you don't really see that from forty. And I don't think there's a I don't think there's, there's a, a place certainly not if he wants if Townsend wants to play the fastest brand of, of rugby in the world, um, which is probably going to need a jingle at some point, Cam. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think he's
0: having banjos. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
2: they're, they're only need the fastest milk milk cart in the west. I'm some sorry, yeah. <laughs> something like that.
0: Um, I think you
2: need uh, yeah. I think you need uh, you need a guy who. Shows up shows up a bit more in in the loot um, for that sort of thing. Yeah, I think um, uh, we're, we're going to Townsend's going to need to find a team who are, you know, you compare him with a guy like Dan Coles, the All Blacks, mm. who is almost a complete ball player and still a hooker.
0: Yeah,
2: and um, that's yeah. presumably the kind of the template that Townsend is going for. He wants ball players from one to fifteen.
0: Yeah, and uh, and then you compare him that- Comparing with, um, I forget his name, the South African hooker that looks like Augustus Gloop um, and a big baby. I can't remember what his name is now. Oh,
1: but was, uh, that, Oh, um, is it Schmidt or? Um,
0: no, the other one. Strauss. No. Strauss. Yeah. Lee, oh, Strauss. Carr,
1: Strauss.
0: yeah. It, and, and you look at, I mean, he's physically him and Ford are pretty much identical. And you look at the yards that he makes with ball in hand. And there's no reason for. Uh, Adrian Strauss. Yeah, Adrian,
1: yeah, Ricard plays for Byron, doesn't he?
0: That's yeah. it. But if you, pug- look at the, if you look at the, the yards Adrian Strauss makes with ball in hand, or, or did make, cause I think he's, um, some of his retired from international rugby now. But he, he physically, him and Ford are very similar players. And the, but but Ford, I think, like we said last week, typically, um, will take the ball and tackle and and crumple, um, and look to recycle it quickly rather than trying to make meters drive um, through. Yeah. But anyway, here's he is hoping um that that this is the start of a mini um Rustford Renaissance um and apologies to anybody uh, well apologies to you Rory for all the pellets you more pelters you're gonna get um from all yeah, Ford no fans doubt. on Twitter um after this. Um uh, <laughs> very quickly to the bench then, John. Um any anybody stand out for you? I mean um you've given um Xander Ferguson a seven.
1: I thought Ferguson uh showed up well. I think he um I think I've said, you know, it he seems we've finally got the second option at Tight Head, haven't we? Um, I think the experience last year being first choice at Glasgow and obviously with Nell's injury problems being first choice for Scotland has, has done him well. Um, still doubts, as you would expect, about the technical skills that a 20, 21 year old. 21 still thereabouts Mm, yeah it's bringing to the table but you know we've got a a whole lot of years to be to be working on that and you're not going to find a better scrum technician than Nell to be to be working with so um very 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 confident that Xander's going to come on leaps and bounds um other than that bench wise I think it was it was fairly quiet Fraser Brown looked all right when he came on. Bradbury had a couple of carries, the rest fairly anonymous, to be honest.
0: Well, we'll, we'll yeah, I think you and um, Rory have a difference of opinion about who was to blame for the last Italy try, whether it was Hughes or Taylor. What you think it was Hughes, I'll, I'll give you my view because I'm going to arbitrate on this because I'll look <laughs> back at it. Um, you think it's Hughes's fault, John?
1: Yeah, I've given, I've given. Well, I've given Hughes the blame. Um, I've also, I've said Taylor doesn't help him. But Hughes, yeah, he's the second man in. He's the second defender. But he should be trusting his inside men to to just protect. Um, it's clearly they are going to go wide, uh, and I think at that stage Hughes should be gambling and pushing the line out and communicating with Taylor.
0: Rory, your view on 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 it um i wasn't i wasn't actually uh
2: sticking up for you somebody had pointed that out to me on twitter so i can't actually remember it i'll be honest <laughs> i, I think was busy I, typing up my match report by that point
0: I've, i i for once i agree with twitter i don't normally do agree with twitter um i i thought that taylor rushed up too quickly when i watched yeah. it back but I've, he I've, has jumped out yeah um, but if anybody's got any particular views or disagrees with us, then you can always leave a comment on the blog, and um, we might pick that up next week. Um, so next, well, this Saturday then we've got the Australia test. Um, any changes for you, Rory, to the lineup?
2: Um, not in the backs, not really. Apart from, I think probably he'll start the same centre as Dunbar and Scott again. Um, I'd actually, I'd actually quite like to see Griggs start because he looked sharp at the end of the season. Um, he's not played as much rugby as the other guys. And it's kind of a toss-up who you pick with him. Um, looking at the stats from the last game, you could say Scott had a better game, so we could go with him. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's tricky to say who was who worth it both. They were both pretty quiet. Uh, I mean, for me, the starting centres versus the All Blacks in November should be Taylor and Jones. And... Um, but I think, at, you know, that obviously that's not possible um, on Saturday. He might, some people, uh, somebody did suggest um, picking Pete Horn at 12 and then putting, um, say, Dunbar or keeping Dunbar or Scott at 13. Um, but I'm not sure if suddenly experimenting with, like, dual playmakers is the, the thing to try it against a, a test match, you know, a test match opposition that you're really trying to, you know, you want to beat. Um, I think, yeah, I will keep Horn on the bench as fly-half cover. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to go unchanged, but I'm going to put Grigg on the bench, so Pergos, Horn, and Grigg on the bench, which is probably too many centres and not enough winners.
0: Is there news on whether Hardy's fit now?
2: Um, I haven't heard anything.
0: No, he was trying. I saw those photographs of him training, so I'm assuming he's backing.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, he just pulled pulled up with something in the... uh, in the warm-up, I think.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, it was calf, calf strain, I think, in the warm-up.
0: Yeah. So, um, so, John, are you the same line-up for you next week? Oh, Saturday, uh, no, a cu-
1: couple of changes. Um, so, obviously, start boy to come back in um, at second row. We'll keep, keep the... Um, well, we'll not even keep the front row, actually. I would probably... I'm sorry Rossford Supporters Club. Um you can get your, your mob out again, but um Fraser Brown comes in for me, um just offers offers so much more. Um particularly against a, a mobile pack like like the Aussies have. So Brown comes in, we'll keep Dell, um we'll start with Nell as well. Uh, um that all rhymes, that was beautiful. Um great write a song out like of that. <laughs> um Statboy and Cholas uh, in and Second Grow. And then in the back row, I would stick with Barclay, uh, we'll stick with Strauss, and we'll bring in Hamish Watson, of course, mm. um, with probably back back row cover on the bench. Again, it's do you throw Hardy on there? Uh, I don't well, know if he offers enough in I terms of cover.
0: Say, I, I would be interested to see Hardy, Watson, Barkley in the back row because... I think the last time we played Australia, well, yeah, when we played Australia in the autumn. That was the back row combination. It, it caused was, all yeah. sorts of problems until Hardy went off injured, which mm. I think is just a rig. She just should be fan for. He's like, you know, get the board ready on 26 minutes for John Hardy to come off <laughs> every game. Free planet.
1: Was that not the the agreement against Wales when we were there, Rory? We, we Hardy had started over Watson, and we were all kind of surprised, but we sort of realised quite quickly it was like. His, his game plan is just go out and batter people and see how long you last Yeah.
2: Uh, and
1: in that case it was like 19 minutes or something but you know it's um it's yeah. better to have him out there than than not comment of
0: the week we'll do uh comment of the week now um so um don't forget, you can leave comments on the blog on any particular articles. I am um, to get a comment of the week. You do have to leave a comment on the blog. Although I'm slightly changing the rules now, so um, you can also review the podcast on the what was iTunes, but is now, I understand, the Apple Podcast app. Um, I think that's what the kids call it anyway. <laughs> um, so um, we have had a review. Hooray! Hey. Um, we've not had many of them, we've got 11 ratings on there um, we've got nearly uh, 4 stars but we've had a review from uh, someone called Don Man Expat um, I don't know if that's his real name um, Don Man, apologies if it is he um, says, step up great podcast boys, big step up from series 1 so that's lovely to hear um, so please um, you know, do leave us reviews on um, the Apple Podcast app not iTunes, that's that's what old people call it, it's the Apple Podcast app, um, and we'll read out um, any reviews that we get or s- certainly the best and most interesting ones. But um, Rory and John, you're going to, um, have chosen some comments from the blog?
2: Yeah, I've actually, um, well, I've kind of chosen two, but they do sort of segue into one thing. It's actually from, uh, from today, uh, the piece, uh, Kevin's been doing some great pieces on the under 20s uh, junior world championships which is going on at the moment in georgia and uh, scotland have been doing pretty well he did a preview on the uh, on the wales game uh which took place this afternoon and uh, we had a lot of comments after the game scotland beat wales um which is quite a turnaround from the the pasting they took in the in the junior six nations earlier in the year and uh, scotland are now going to be in the fifth sixth place playoff which will mean guaranteed highest placing in the junior world champions for us i think we've finished eighth the last two years um so my comments are from nidri exiler who said the SRU needs some recognition of where we are as a small rugby playing country in world rankings at senior and junior level fifth and at least sixth is punching massively above our weight so come on let's have some positive comments on these guys i can't remember the last time dodson had an interview published anywhere rory can you arrange something for our blog site <laughs> and I'm glad that he feels, you know, that the, the readers out there have, feel they have some ownership in the site. Um, we, we'll certainly try. Mark Dodson, if you want to come and have an interview on the site, you're more than welcome. I think Mark Palmer did actually uh, have an interview with him during the Six Nations. Um, and also FF7's fortunes turned around under McRae too. We're competing at virtually every level despite financial and playing-based disparities. Dodson's era has been a huge success. Also, isn't a certain SJ responsible for oversight of rugby development at each level as Director of Rugby? Perhaps unfairly remind, unfairly maligned. Open brackets. Though he is a tit. Close brackets. So that was um, that was FF, and I've decided to allow that that bit of language, um, although it strictly speaking contravenes uh, the rules. Um, yeah, so I think that that uh, that sums up um, things quite well. Stuff. It you know it does seem to be does to be turning around certainly the sevens, although you know they have dips in their season and stuff. The in terms of a kind of an overall curve, they're vastly improved on where they were just before. Um, certainly, Mr. S J almost cancelled them, yeah. um, which we maybe shouldn't forget about. And uh, but um, you know it's all happened under under Dodson's era. He's got the you know he's got the academies set up. The the under twenties finally look like a team that can actually they're actually learning to you know learning to win and they look a little bit more it, it used to be that your under 20s would go out there and they'd have a couple of you know they'd have some young guys like Hogg or some you know some, some, some pace and a bit of talent but they wouldn't be as big as the other guys they wouldn't be able to physically compete and I mean you still see that a little bit if if there's uh you know if there's a lot of injuries or something, but the team they've got just now, which was i mean and we you know we didn't have much kind of expectation from them as they'd lost a lot of guys like Fagerson you know who were playing last season um they've you know they've they've done brilliantly to to get there and i think yeah um at least some of the some of the applaudits should go to the to the S R U organization in in terms of bringing these players through but also. Um, yeah, let's let's give a shout out to John John Dale, who's the coach, um, who's going to take over the sevens as well. It'll be interesting to see how he goes there.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I mean we, so Scott Watson
2: may be unfairly maligned. Yeah, he's. You can uh, you can let us know in the comments.
0: Yeah, he might be a tip, but he's arted.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, I've, I was looking uh, uh, today, and I think potentially the way things are going, you have possibly got four sets of brothers that might be turning out for Scotland in the coming years. So you've got the Bradbury's, there's the Ferguson's, the Horns, and the Greys. Yeah. Which would just be, I, I mean, I I'd just be, wonder how, what, you know, if that outside of the, is it the Whitelocks in New Zealand? Um, yeah, there's they, and the Barretts it. as well. Yeah, in Barretts, yeah. Um, outside of New Zealand, whether any other country has ever, you know, the most sets of brothers to ever play in one squad at any one time, it would be interesting to see um, what pans out there, but I think that, yeah, those are good points, for I think it, it, like John was saying earlier about uh, Hoyland it's interesting to see um, the benefit of using the Sevens as a development tool is having particularly on uh, in defence, I think it, it's helped Lee Jones immensely um, in, in, in the fact that he's now back in the Scotland set-up um, John, um, your comment of the week
1: yeah. Oh well. Before I do that, I would just like to also caveat Rory's point there with we're forgetting about the the ladies as well. The, the, course, the women's yes. team obviously had a, a crack in Six Nations as well, so we can't forget about them. They were they were brilliant, and there was so much interest around uh, the women's Six Nations this year, which was great to see. And the sevens, um, the
0: sevens team as well. Um, the sevens
1: team as well. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So brilliant. Um, uh, and as you say, it's great to see. You know, rugby is a, a sport for all. For both genders now, which is brilliant to see. Um, yeah,
2: they, I mean, they actually um, SRU announced today. There's a first Scottish um, contracted female referee, Holly Davidson, who's a former under twenties cap, and uh, yeah, she's going to be she's going to be, I think, on the seventh, seventh circuit um, refereeing there. But uh, yep. we might we might yet have some uh, some referees at the top level who. Um, which is something that a lot of people clamour for. You know, we've not really had uh, not really had top Scottish refs since probably the days of Jim Fleming, and uh, it'd be good to good to see see Scotland represented well in in that area as well as uh, you know the playing yeah, side.
0: I think there's still Ian. Ian Ramage is still kicking about as a video referee now and again, certainly in the Pro 12, and occasionally pops up during the Six Nations.
1: Um, is it Mike Adamson as well? He's yeah, he's it coming. He's, he's
0: coming through. Yeah. 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 Sorry, sorry
1: to di- Yeah, sorry to diverge off, off to on a tangent there. So my comment of the week, I um, particularly liked the the dripping sarcasm. I actually went for Rory's tactic here, and this is kind of two intertwined into one. Uh, John McMillan on the my my player ratings piece um, said, "I feel sorry for Townsend that there's so many great backs. How does he pick a backline when they're all fit?" Um, and then Southern Rob uh, is next up and he says, I know he must be looking back longingly to the days where the back division would be so much easier to call Nick DeLuca, Simon Daniele, Hugo Southwell. Uh, the, the list <laughs> is endless. Uh, in all seriousness, no, you are right. In 20-odd years, I've watched this. It's by far the most depth and quality we've had in our back line. And, I mean, we, we yeah, you just, you say those and that little shudder. Um of oh do you remember when we we thought Daniele was you know he was our, our great hope um, Nick Deluca who great club player but ugh, just international disaster piece um, it's it's so refreshing to have actual talent in our backs just now and we we score tries we score lots of tries um, and we're helped by the way we play it's it's great to see.
0: I tell you what, there's a lot of there was a lot of striking haircuts back in the day though. I mean, that's, <laughs> outside outside of Duncan Taylor, I can't, you know, it's um it's hard to see where the next great um horrendous Scottish hairdo is coming in the back line.
1: Nah, they're all too um too
0: these
2: days, aren't they? Uh, yeah. could
0: get a mohawk on the go. Yeah, I it would be preferable to the sort of full Thor look he's got at the minute. I think I can I think in one Embra game, I said he looked like a um. I um a, a soft porn remake of Thor, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah, his had noticed... an
1: Absolute Doozy as well, didn't he? Yeah, didn't well, I,
0: have... no- I noticed he'd cut it slightly shorter. It was when he had the ponytail. I don't, I, I just can't abide anybody that wears a ponytail um, on a rugby field. Was um... it not the
1: boy McCoskey? Was it McCoskey? Um, the, the Irish centre that was wearing a, a man bun or something at one point, or, or, or whatever you call that silly sort of. Gareth Bale style. Top knot, that's the one, Rory. You're yeah. down with the kids as well. Um he was wearing that. What that's ridiculous. What are you playing at, son?
0: Yeah. Um which, you know, um there's Jack Noel as well, which speaking of which brings us on to this week's Lions hot take. Lions Hot take, take It's time. It's our alternative look at the Lions tour. Um, This week, I've asked the guys to come up with what the election tells us about the Lions' chances in New Zealand. Um, Have you both come up with some things?
2: Yep.
1: A couple of things here. Yep.
0: Good. Try not to be too controversial with this, Um, Rory. What what can the election tell us about the Lions' chances in New Zealand? Okay.
2: Um, Even when you win, you lose, except when you win. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so there you go um, so losing losing the warm up games it means nothing if you win the big, big one the Lions don't actually want to they don't want to play a blinder earn massive respect and still lose the tests what they actually want to do is have a stinking campaign with no clear game plan still win at the end uh, possibly so the head coach can resign very good so um, that's it that's one I have several
0: yeah good uh, John Your one
1: yeah so my my first one on the list is uh don't judge a leader on what the press have to say about them um so in this case um obviously in the political sphere the the, the papers have their have their their favorites and have their say um and the same is true on the lines tour, gatland has um been talked up from certain parts of the UK press and has been getting it large from other parts, namely north of the border <laughs> so um, we need to judge Gatland on his on his record uh, and on how this tour goes and not really have the, the bias and prejudice against him, even though he does so well just to really stoke it up in his and, and make it easy to hate him
0: Um, I've, after the game today um, with the Highlanders winning and and doing that utterly bizarre um, pre-game presentation of a Claymore which is just, if anybody, it's on YouTube just watch it it's the most awkward (laughs) pre-game thing I've ever watched I mean, it's marvellous when they walk out with the um, you know, with the Piper and they do the sort of slow walk out to the centre but then there's just this really awkward moment where somebody walks onto a pitch with a sword Hands it to Sam Warburton, who has no idea what to do with it, and then they play some rugby. <laughs> um, I would have taken, I would have taken a, some sort of Highland dance hacker hybrid over that, to be honest. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I've I've gone with uh, the Scottish will have a huge influence, but not in the way everyone expected. <laughs> um, possibly, <laughs> yeah. In the, in the, in that, um, you know, the the, the they were resoundingly beat by the Highlanders today, who are um, the sort of. Scotland, you know the the new zealand equivalent of scotland um can, can we play year.
1: them as our fourth fourth pro club
0: i think so yeah i think, I think so yeah yeah um Rory you on one. well you yeah,
2: know i was just thinking of the scots uh, the scottish players on tour they're a little bit like the lib dems you know the hearts hearts in the right place uh people want them to do well but they're possibly out of step with the wider political environment you know they've got <laughs> the wrong face for a warren ball basically <laughs> um and uh yeah nick clegg took the political equivalent of a friendly elbow to the face which has ended his tour in the same way as a uh, poor old hoggies um hoggies ended and i think probably one major difference is that the daily Mail's not a poisonous cancer at the heart of the british and irish lines.
0: yep that's very good um i've i've gone for um uh, one based on Rob Howley promising us um, rugby chaos is despite repeated threats, we've yet to see a coalition of chaos from the Lions.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose it is, a, it is effectively a coalition of chaos because it's the four, the four countries, so it's already a coalition.
0: Yeah, there's just not much chaos on show sure, at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, anyone, if, you, if you'd watched
1: the first couple of games, you could argue there was there was definite chaos, but not in the way we wanted. Um <laughs> So uh, yeah, next up I've got um, another another critique of Warren um, and his his uh, press mutterings. Um, If you preach to be strong and stable, or sorry, if you have to preach strong and stable, then you probably are not. Um, And going back to just Warren's um, claim about how the club sides in New Zealand were almost were as good as the All Blacks, which is just crazy man talk um and he's been yeah he's press press officer he should have he should have taken a press officer this time because obviously woodward had a disaster tour, but um apparently alistair campbell was was a resounding success according to sir clive um and maybe that's what warren needed
0: uh, yeah i had i had something um similar with woodward was um the um interventions from former leaders um Aren't always helpful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rory, your next one. Uh, my uh,
2: my uh, one, my final point is uh, just I think it's worth a mention of our own fiercely intimidating man in all black and uh, Lord Buckethead should be called up to the tour immediately to offer <laughs> the official response. To the I think if anyone's going to face down the hacker and possibly do do a little dab or a dap or whatever they call it, I think Lord Buckethead's the man to
0: do it. yeah <laughs>
1: Um, so on my last point i've went with always surround yourself with experts um again a little dig at the the howler himself um uh, political campaigns are won and lost by your team around you um and i think the lions is no different
0: yeah um my last one i got as far as writing something about the lions being propped up by elsterman but then i thought better rubbish (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> your best. Best leave that alone. Okay, uh, it's time for hands in the ruck, which is our any other business um section of uh the podcast. Um I've um I'm racking my brains trying to think of something um because I'm a bit poorly prepared today. But uh John, your hands in the ruck. Yeah, so this
1: I had mentioned it uh, last time out. I think we'd we'd got into the debate about Blair Kinghorn. Um, there was a comment on, and Rory had actually went back to the the comment um, on on one of the pieces regarding um, a call up for Blair Kinghorn again to the international. I just think pe- people are. Uh, it's, it's winding me up now because it's like. People are just desperate for Blair Kinghorn to get an international cap for no other reason than they want him to be playing an in international rugby. He is not in any way, shape, or form ready for this. And if we do give him an international cap, there is—I the, mean, look at that under-20s team. You could—you could argue Darcy is it, uh, Darcy, Darcy Graham, yep. far more deserving of an international call-up than Blair Kinghorn on current form. And yet not one comment has mentioned his name over Kinghorn. Kinghorn had a shockingly bad season and should not be anywhere near an international chart anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think the there's a lot of promise in the under-20s, but I, I agree. I don't think there's any case to be rushing anybody um, rushing anybody into to the international setup um, without more evidence they can do a job. Rory, you agree with that? Yeah, I
2: think um, I mean I can I can see their point there's a, there's a there's a hunger for for guys to plug holes in our, our depth everyone's you know we're pretty aware that Finn Russell Stuart Hogg are the far and away the you know the, the incumbents in the, in their shirts and there's not much behind them I mean Dun, Duncan Taylor's doing a good job filling in at the moment but I don't think there's anyone that thinks he's you know he would be a long-term solution. And I think people just want they want a little they want to see a little bit more depth so that they can feel more comfortable about the prospects of the team, which is totally understandable. But at the same time, you know we've sat through ten years of guys who aren't quite good enough playing for playing for Scotland, and it doesn't it doesn't get anywhere. I think Townsend is going kind to of bring through guys who he thinks are ready, which might be young guys, but he's not going to do it until he thinks they're ready.
0: And your hands in the rock, Rory.
2: Well, my hands in the ruck. Uh, John has set it up nicely by having a pop at an Edinburgh player. Um, <laughs> I, my, mine is being being regularly accused of bias towards one pro team or the other. Um, I quite often get. I think uh, one of the one of the uh, Edinburgh rugby fan fan groups had accused me of uh, as accused me of some some pro Glasgow bias in in the past, um, and. Uh, Doing the um, probably I think that, it was is that, the, one of
0: the, is that one of the hashtags?
2: It could be one of the hashtags. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think the hashtag is the same. It's different. Different people running the, the those hashtags now. But um, and we we all get on very well. Um, but it was I think it was tail end of the European teaser. Um, now got blocked by a Glasgow fan. Hi Greg. Um, <laughs> who I think is I think it's the only only guy that's blocked me other than uh, the senior. Rugby correspondent for the Sunday Times, so I can't believe Al Kellogg's blocked you, Cam. That's uh, you must I'm, have I'm said no, something still no, I, extremely I, I, controversial.
0: I've searched Twitter to try and work out what. The only thing I can t- take it back to is I, I did a series of articles where I said a number, Scott Johnson had said some players were on their last chance to prove themselves. Yeah. And he was one of the players featured in that article. But when I read it back, I was really positive and full of praise for what he can offer. <laughs> I just thought he was maybe getting on a bit and there might be younger options available. Yeah. Compared, as it, compared, as to, compared as a to what I wrote about him compared to what I wrote about Ross Ford at the time. You know, I was,
2: yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so I mean, I've been, I, was, I was blocked by, I think I disagreed with a, a penalty that was awarded against Glasgow. Um, for be I was I was blocked for being a bitter Edinburgh fan um, and then the uh, then the the Edinburgh fans are accusing me of um, of Glasgow Glasgow bias I mean I went to uni in Edinburgh most of my friends and large chunks of my family actually live in Edinburgh and you know when we started the site our, our first uh, press accreditation was it was at Edinburgh um a big shout out to Michael James who's uh, who's running things at Scotland now for the immediate he's always been a friend to the site um, so, yeah, I don't, it, it's a tricky one, you know, I'm, I would actually love to be biased towards Edinburgh. Um, I personally don't think I'm biased. It just sometimes comes down to which games on the telly, which we're commenting on, and who's playing well. And the fact is that for the last couple of seasons, at least, Glasgow have played better than Edinburgh more often than, you know, more often than not. Um,
0: but, but effectively, yeah, we, effectively, but we, effectively your defence is some of my best friends are from Edinburgh.
2: Yeah, basically. <laughs> Some of my best friends are Edinburgh, Edinburghers. Um, yeah, I mean, if there, I think if there's one, if there's a team that we want to see doing well, it's Edinburgh. Um, everybody in in Scottish rugby who's not a you know a diehard um, like John, obviously, John and Ian handle the, the Glasgow stuff. They're they're from Glasgow and they're you know they're passionate Glasgow fans. But quite a few of the guys writing for the site are are fairly you know neutral, not from one one city or the other um and you know we're, we're in it to support scottish rugby as a, as a whole um so of course we want we want edinburgh to be be doing doing well um but we're not you know we're not going to hand out plaudits if, if players aren't pulling their weight or teams aren't pulling their weight unless they're cult figures like dan parks who sorry is a glasgow player and uh you know even then we've got to acknowledge the issues with their game unlike uh, our regular commenter Bee who seems to love dan parks um there have been, you know, there were swathes of swathes of the last of last season where Edinburgh just weren't weren't very good. And it's not that we don't want to see them do well, but you know, we've been sitting watching them not be very good on and off for, for ten years and it kinda of gets frustrating. So at some point you just kind of say, Well, it's just let's have a laugh at their expense and I guess that's that's mean spirited of us. So we will try to do better, we'll try to be fairer. Um but uh, yeah, please don't think that we're biased, we're trying not to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I wrote a few years ago on the blog that it was um, it's hard. I think I find it particularly hard to choose between the two teams because I supported Borders when they existed and then they went defuncting. Yeah. I you know I've got family in Edinburgh, um, but I I didn't really have any emotional attachment to either Glasgow or Edinburgh, and I think a number of fans probably found themselves in the same boat as being forced to choose a pro side and just deciding not to bother for a number of years, and then in the end it just came down to. I I needed, felt like I should choose one team or the other and went with Glasgow because I enjoyed watching them more. Um, and I think if Edinburgh are going to pick up those fans that maybe, and I think there are plenty out there who haven't necessarily settled on a pro team because, um, you know, particularly maybe younger fans or fans from the likes of the borders or the outlying regions, they, they need to play more attractive rugby in order to get people to watch them. Yeah. And I think ultimately it benefits the Scotland set up as well because, and Glasgow, because Glasgow at the minute suffer in the Pro 12 during Six Nations and the Autumn because the bulk of their squad goes in place for Scotland. Um, so it benefits Glasgow and Scottish rugby as a whole of Edinburgh do well because then the burden's shared and there's a more chance that both sides can have a decent go at the league and Europe.
2: Yeah, exactly. and. Um... I mean, I remember, you know, I think pro- I I, w- I may just be making this up, but I'd imagine if you went back and looked at the early um, the early stuff that we wrote, mostly I was probably watching Edinburgh games because Glasgow weren't playing a particularly exciting brand of rugby, and um, yeah, and Edinburgh was the Edinburgh was the team I, team that I supported. Um, so yeah, I think it, it just it just ebbs and flows, but you know, we tried to give equal coverage to everybody. Um. We tried to be snarky about everybody in equal measure.
0: Yeah, so so as soon as Embra stop being crap, we'll be nicer about them. Yeah, um, yes, we love you, yeah. Um, I my hands in the ruck is um actually it's a good thing this week because I, I really enjoyed um John Beatty's commentary at the weekend um compared to some of the uh, compared to the standard Alliance Lions and I've listened to it on the radio this morning the Lions commentary I know it appreciate it's radio but it was just awful. Um, but I thought, you know, um, Chris Patterson's becoming a much better um, summariser. Um, I think he, he, I think in the past he's maybe not been as critical of Scotland players. I think it's because he's so involved in the setup as he might be. But he was, I thought he was fairly even-handed, and I thought John Beatty had the right balance of shutting up and and talking when it was needed. Um, certainly, the you know, there was a lot of let's listen and see what the referee's saying. Which which yeah, Um so yeah, I I I'd, I think he you know, if if we're going to have a regular commentary team on um BBC Scotland um when this the, uh, long may John Beattie um because 'cause I, I thoroughly enjoyed that at the weekend.
1: I think it's clear how out of his depth Dougie Vipond is though. He he I think he knows absolutely hee haw about rugby. He knows Finn Russell exists and that is about his sum total of rugby and um it's it's highly amusing. I think he should get a gig with those American commentators and we'll just we'll just go absolutely extreme on it, it'll be brilliant.
0: Yeah, but he's he, he was in Deacon Blue, so nothing he can ever do will ever, you know. That's I I you know, I'm quite happy for him to be there. <laughs> <laughs> just a few
1: of the the drummer from Deacon Blue, and that—that's enough for me. Oh, you misunderstand me. I'm I'm very happy for him to be there as the drummer from Deacon Blue, but also he, he needs to learn a couple of new names. I'm fully expecting him to be talking about William Prestorius Neil at some point. Um, just having read uh, read a Wikipedia page or something. So yeah, uh, I, I hope this happens. Where's,
0: yeah, where's Hazel Irving?
1: Oh, Big Hazel, she would do. Ah, see, there you she go. There's an anchor for
2: you. She, I don't know. She's been promoted. Well, um, does it not? Uh, Ailey Barber used. She used to do the. Uh, you do the coverage when it was on S- When they had uh, Pro 12 highlights on STV. She's doing the golf now. She's taken over from Hazel. So Hazel's maybe move, moved on to even bigger and better things, or a giant bucket of cash from Sky, maybe.
0: Um, and Duke- I'm sure someone will
2: tell us where they where she's gone.
0: What whatever happened to Dougie Donnelly?
1: <laughs> it's a blast from the past there.
2: This, they used to wheel him out for the Melrose Sevens actually. Yeah, that's so, right. until until the other the other Doogie took took over probably the last couple of years. But yeah, the, the, him and Doddy would just do nothing all year and then appear on your telly on a Saturday afternoon
1: in those yeah. horrendous tartan trousers.
2: Oh yeah, you gotta love them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, On that note, um, that's it for this week's episode. Um, We will be back next week after the Australia game um, and we'll uh, cover that and preview the last match of the tour against Fiji. Uh, Don't forget to leave comments on the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk and please leave us a review on iTunes and we will uh, start reading them out in comment of the week. Um, You can follow us on Twitter at scottrugbyblog um, but for the moment it's goodbye from me and goodbye from John. Goodbye. And goodbye from Rory. Goodbye.
2: At one o'clock in the morning, New York City, 1985? Not much. For he is not alone.